rise and shine bitches welcome back to another episode of just a quick pinch i'm your newly licensed host connie wing ah okay so you guys literally i just found out i think like three hours ago that i passed my big exam you guys i passed i passed like the biggest most stressful exam series i've ever taken in my whole life i am licensed i did it i did it y'all i really did it I am just so happy, um, and I'm just so, uh, I just feel so many emotions, so let me just get into it. First off, let me just tell you, like, the tea of how the day was, because I know you guys just want to hear all that tea. Okay, so basically, you guys heard last week how anxious I was, and then I was, like, fine, and, like, honestly, going into CDCA, I felt this sense of peace, because, like, two days before, I really was just like, okay, I can do it, and so, like, the days leading up to CDCA, I was fine, I stayed calm. So that brings us to the day of. That's where we last left off, basically. So day of, you guys, I had my lucky crystals with me. I brought carnelian for courage. I brought citrine for good luck. And I bought, brought lapis lazuli for wisdom. Um, I had my lucky socks on, which I always wear for like my big exams. And then also, this is like a fun new thing I've done in recent years. Um, I slept with my wisdom teeth on my nightstand. <laughs> okay, like disclaimer, they are in this like little sterile pouch. So it's not just like open but yeah so I sleep with my wisdom teeth on my nightstand which is like a lucky ritual I do before a big exam because I feel like the wisdom will help me honestly I need you guys to see my wisdom teeth because they're pretty freaking cute they're like these little like single root coned like they're just like teensy tiny and like really cute I don't know um but anyways I did all this because luck is honestly a very big part of passing the exam this year, especially uh, this year. They like changed the requirements and made it really tough. And it's just extremely easy to fail in like the most unfair situations. So yeah, I girl, your girl had to bring her luck. So basically I ended up getting the exact tooth and services I kind of didn't want, but I was like, it's okay, Connie, you can do it. And I feel like once I got started, it was just this steady stream of like constant stress and like just overcoming hurdle after hurdle and like keeping calm. Like I felt like literally in the background the whole day, the Rocky theme song was playing and it was like, do, 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 do. And I was just like punching hurdles left and right. And then like clawing my way to the end. Um, And it was just a very like long marathon of like, stressful moments silly moments it was almost kind of funny like at one point my friends and I were like holding our hands praying like <laughs> it was just like very dramatic and just like very stressful but in a weird way I feel trauma bonded that's one thing I wasn't expecting to feel about CDCA is I have made so many new friendships you guys like so many friendships that I really would not have made otherwise I feel like with people in my class that like I didn't really know beforehand but be for one reason or another either we practiced a lot next to each other or we sat next to each other the day of the exam like I really feel like this the universe this was like one last chance to like make new friends was from this trauma bonding together because we all just like endured I feel like I survived a war with these people so anyways I got I feel like I got kind of lucky because my cavities like the caries was just very medium which is kind of good because they were not so small where I couldn't find them or I was like overthinking it but they also weren't so big where it took a lot of effort to get it out like I feel like medium is the way to go with this so Anyways, yeah, I just, I found out a few hours ago, I kept refreshing my exam results all day, and let me tell you, when I finally found out, I bawled my eyes out, which I have never done out of happiness before, and I made an Instagram caption all about this. I don't think I was just crying out of joy, it didn't feel like pure joy, it felt like... I, so I thought when I passed, I thought I would feel weightless. And in some 
ways I kind of do. I do feel this weight off my shoulders, of course, but I actually feel like heavy. I feel the heaviness. I feel the weight of everything I've been through. I don't just think about this exam. I think of like all those lonely nights during pharmacy school on vacations when all my friends were on their summer and winter breaks. I was watching everybody live, have a grand old time. I was in the deserted basement of the library at school studying for the DAT and studying for summer physics. I was frantically like driving to work as a dental assistant, like in between my classes of pharmacy school. I think of like how overwhelmed I was in pharmacy school because I felt like my dreams of being a dentist were just so far away and I just had to be patient and like wait for my time to come and like it's finally here and then I'm also crying because like I just I'm crying for like the pain that I went through when I failed my first operative competency first year like that's really what set my trajectory or like my origin story for how anxious and insecure I would feel about plastic teeth exams for the next four years and that is why this licensure exam series it's it's all on plastic teeth that's why this meant so much more to me like this wasn't just some irrelevant thing this wasn't just some computer exam that like I'm used to computer exams okay I've been through that so many times this is like a unique type of terror and fear is like controlling your mind and your hands and like physically doing this on plastic teeth something about plastic teeth to me is worse than humans because like if I do something on a human I don't feel nervous at all like I, I didn't feel nervous for my first feeling I didn't feel like none of that it's it's plastic teeth because I feel like we're being compared to each other in a way and that makes me feel so much more anxious but anyways like I said, this was really like my Mount Everest with plastic teeth. And I'm just, I was crying for like all of those days I felt so anxious and I couldn't eat or sleep because of these types of exams. So I just, I feel so full. I'm crying for both the happiness that I passed and also crying for reliving the heaviness of these past four years. And honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I feel like in dental school, there's this unspoken vibe where people think it's cool to pretend like you don't have to practice a lot or like everything just easily works out for you. But really, I'll be honest, I practice the most I've ever I've worked the hardest I've ever worked and I've practiced the most I've ever practiced for this because I was just so like neurotic and detail oriented about passing this like I could recite the manual in my sleep I could practically in my sleep like prep these teeth I showed a faculty every day to make sure mine was good like I really can say with everything in me I deserve this and it really feels like I earned this Anyways, like something about this just feels so much more special than like getting my diploma also, which is weird. I don't know why. I think it's because like I just had to work so hard for this specific exam series where I kind of like knew the diploma would come and nothing else in all of dental school or pharmacy school has made me feel the level of anxiety, stress and like fear that this exam series has. So yeah, long story short, I did it, you guys. I am at the top of Mount Everest. And I'm just so excited. I, I'm going to treat myself. So what I have planned is I have an eyelash appointment this week. I'm getting eyelash extensions. I told myself after I pass CDCA, I'm never letting myself get this crusty and raggedy and haggard as I did before because I was just a shell of a human these past few weeks for this exam. So yeah, also Jimmy and I are doing a suburban day, which I'm super excited for. That's basically where we're going to get Starbucks and we're going to go to TJ Maxx and Target and like the mall. And I just feel like for the first time, I know this is kind of like funny because like I shouldn't have known this all along, but this is the first time it's really hit me. Like my life is going to be good. I worked really hard and I'm going to have a good life. I will be able to like provide for my children, my parents, my friends and family. Like this exam just showed me I can overcome anything I set my mind to. Like no matter how scared I feel, no matter how insecure I feel, even in the moment, I can overcome anything. And like that is just so powerful to have proven that to myself.
So yeah, um, I basically did spit talk first because that's what's been going on with my life. So now without further ado, let's get into the rest of Hot Girl Huddle. Hit it editing, Connie. Alrighty, so first things first, I guess besides spit talk, we have our healthcare horoscope of the week. So let me pull the card of the week. I'm going to try to be quick because I know that today's main episode is going to be nice and we got like a nice long thorough combo today. So let me pull the card. Alrighty, you guys, the card of the week for the week of March 13th, 2023 is the Upright Six of Swords. The words of the week are transition, change, rite of passage, and releasing baggage. The Six of Swords shows that you are in a state of transition, leaving behind what was familiar and moving towards the unknown. You might be moving, leaving a relationship, changing jobs, going through a rite of passage, that's what CBCA felt like, or a mental shift. Alrighty, so that is our Healthcare Horoscope Tarot Card of the Week. Since I already did Spit Talk, now let's move on to the last segment, my eyes and O's, my ins and outs of the week. Alrighty, you guys. So for my eyes and nose, my ins and outs of the week. My ins is I've been really stimulating my inner child this week. I've been watching so much That's So Raven. Like I literally am just so obsessed with it. I think it's so funny. It's such good humor. Like it's like smart humor, but it's also very like physical funny humor, which I usually don't like. But I mean, like they're just everyone in it is so good. So yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend watching your favorite childhood shows that's so raven i've also started rereading the book series pretty little liars from the beginning because it's actually on kindle unlimited and we have a kindle unlimited subscription which is like one of my new favorite things i know i told you guys that like one of my big things is replacing my phone with the kindle it's just so fun it's like i i have really fallen in love with reading again and also since the kindle like it lights up i can read in bed while jimmy's sleeping in the dark so it's like kind of perfect like last night i woke up in the middle of the night around like 3 a.m and i couldn't really fall asleep so then i just picked up my book and I started reading and then it really like put me right to sleep again so yeah my end of the week is watching that's so raven and reading pretty little liars so yeah I'm giving you guys permission to have your own little inner child week and see how much fun that can be now my out of the week uh it's just I'm pretty sure I gave myself IBS from the amount of stress I had over this exam like literally what is it like irritable bowel irritable bowel syndrome I 100% gave myself that um and I was so not okay I am just now recovering and it's been like probably three or four days since so just what are the whys don't make yourself so stressed that you (laughs) induce yourself to have irritable bowel syndrome and why can't I say that word So yeah, what I've been doing is like ginger tea has been helping, trying to like remind myself that the trauma is over um, and just like eating a plain diet, which is kind of sad because like the last thing I want to do like after a hard exam, like I want to celebrate, right? But yeah, no, I've been trying to refrain from like alcohol and irritating foods. So that is my boring out of the week. (laughs) And yeah, anyways, that is all I have this week for the Hot Girl Huddle. Now let's get into the main episode. I'm so excited. I have my good friend, Dr. Jasmine Ludi here. She is on her way to becoming an oral pathologist. And well, also you'll see like potentially also doing pediatric oral pathology. Um, and I just think that oral pathology is just this field in like like dental and like oral medicine that is just so unknown like more people need to learn about like what oral pathologists can do and exactly like what the behind the scenes of the training is like so I just thought this was a really insightful conversation I hope you guys enjoy and yeah let's get into the main episode
Alrighty, you guys. I'm so excited today. I have my good friend here, Jasmine. She is, I don't really know how she does it all. We were just talking about how she has an incredible daughter that is almost two years old. Uh, we get into a little bit of that today with balancing that with, you know, motherhood, dental school, all of that. And she's also in an oral pathology residency program. So that's kind of where I want to get started because honestly, I feel like when I was a pre-dental student or like, you know, even like outside of dentistry, a lot of people don't know that much about oral path. So give us a little bit of a rundown about like what it was about oral path that you really loved and like how you knew you wanted to specialize in this. Sure. Okay. So a little bit of background about me. Um, I um, was born in Israel, but I came here, I was four years old. My dad's a jeweler and my mom like worked at a bank and then she joined like the family business later on. So like a very uh, tight knit, like family, small business owners, things like that. And um, actually funny, like my dad works through a microscope because uh, he's a jeweler like he's a diamond setter and uh you know he works with burrs and like a lot of the things that we work with castings things like that loops so, also <laughs> yeah exactly like I was around these type of materials like my whole life and then like as a kid I always like really liked science and math and I always knew I wanted to get into that um and I knew like when I went to college, I, I didn't want to do biology. Like, I don't know. It wasn't like a bio girl. I was a chemistry major. So I know you're a pharmacist. Yes. So like chem girly all day. Um, and then I, so I got a degree in chemistry and then, so I always had a more like of interest in like science and like, I always knew I wanted to teach. I was a tutoring in undergrad and then in dental school. Also, I worked as a tutor. I used to work in dental offices before dental school. And I was like a dental office manager, dental assistant. Uh, I know billing, like I did every single position in the dental office. And I truly have like a love for the small business side of it. Right. Cause like I grew up. Was there ever like a part of you that was like, I would ever like work for my dad, like in his jewelry business. Did that ever cross yes, your mind? Definitely. Like I love jewelry and like, that's how I express myself. Like to this day, like I consider jewelry to be art and my dad actually makes some of the jewelry. So like, it's super cool. Like he, he designed like my engagement ring. Uh, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. We got, we got, you know, a family hookup over there, but it's definitely something I considered, but, you know, my parents are very like, it's, they're like real deal, like immigrant parents. And they're like, we brought you to this country, like, so you can be a doctor. And like, <laughs> we didn't have these type of opportunities. And I was like, you know, I always found like comfort in school because like school was my thing. And like, I always like loved it. Like, I like that idea that you study, you get the exam grades, you get good opportunities, you know, and like, I always love that. Like, I really appreciated like the opportunities that like school has given me. And I was really fortunate to get into dental school right out of uh, college and graduate young. And I'm still, you know, like kind of similar to you, how like even I, you did pharmacy and but like you kind of take advantage of these opportunities and like you have an appreciation for them. And that's the kind of family I grew up in. And I it definitely even now I consider it because like you know, it's such an amazing business. And like, part of me, it's like, I don't want to see the family business, you know, not uh, succeed and get passed down to generations. But, you know, we'll see. Honestly, that's the really cool thing about dentistry is I know so many dentists where like, they work up until a certain point, and then they can actually start pursuing other things. So maybe it'll come to a point where like, eventually you can have a double life and like take over the jewelry business sure. as well. When you were in school, did you ever have any sort of like, doubts or like questions about your your future in terms of like pursuing oral path or did you consider any other specialties 
For sure. Like I, like when I was working in private practice, like uh, I knew there's certain procedures I love, you know, one of the doctors I worked for, one of my mentors, he did an implant fellowship and he really invested heavily. And we did a lot of surgical cases and I became like really obsessed with surgery and like the more gory, like the better, I really love it. And um, the only thing was, you know, as I started to pursue, like I, I really was like interested in pursuing like surgery residency like all MFS but you know the way that things turned out like I had a kid in dental school and you know I just had to really look at my life like objectively and and think like how do I want to invest my time and like what kind of lifestyle do I want to have and like surgery lifestyle is very demanding and like I really give it to my oral surgery colleagues especially the women because it's very challenging you know it's like of course, nobody wants to talk about it. But like, we as women don't have the luxury that men have, you know, that we can't have kids forever. And there really is a prime time. And you do you put your life off for your education, like you you come to like a crossroads kind of like as a student and like, as as a mom, as a fiance, as a wife, whatever, and you, you decide like, where, how do you see your life? And I started to realize, like, I love the hustle and I love the work, but you know, that's not the lifestyle for me. And that's not what's meant for me right now. And the closest thing like to surgery is pathology because they work hand in hand, you know, like you, like, what, what do I really want to know? Like, I want to know all the pathology. I want to know the disease process. I want to be able to uh, manage patients like medically and uh, dentally. And that's what I love, like really what intrigued me. And that's kind of surgery and pathology are on the borderline of that. And some other specialties too, you know, we're becoming, we're not just dentists. Like we manage the whole oral cavity. We diagnose oral path is such a big part of dental school education because you're not exposed to these things. And when you are exposed, what do you do? You know, how do you monitor these patients? Like some of my colleagues, like an oral path, they were clinicians for many years. Like they did general dentistry for many years. And then they, like, they saw so many people with dysplasia and like the small towns that they were practicing in didn't have enough surgeons or pathologists, you know, that's something that people really overlook that pathologists can see patients as well and and manage them you know people think like oh you don't want to see patients or like you don't want to work hard that's kind of the uh attitude towards it because like it really is a different type of work right you have to acquire a whole new set of skills you have to be able to look through that microscope and see and interpret what nobody else can see you know that's ultimately what you're doing you're gaining more skills and like if I can understand what's going on at a cellular level I can manage this patient better uh, medically and you know even help the surgical team and I can always be part of that and you can you can teach and be kind of one foot in the door in academia you could be in a hospital and like it's really interesting the direction that oral path is going in yeah that was actually my my next question too it's like so interesting hearing you talk about the field of oral path it's almost like you go through four years of dental school and then I'm sure it's almost like when you specialize in oral path, it's like learning a whole new language, right? Because I remember when I was taking like oral path class, I was like, whoa, this is like a whole new ballpark, like all these terms, and then how you communicate with each other. And so too, I think a lot of people don't really know that much about like what the day-to-day life is like for oral path, because all we're exposed to is our oral path faculty at school. So mm-hmm. can you tell the audience a bit about like what the job opportunities are like? Like, do you, can you open up your own like oral path sort of, I guess, like practice in a sense, or is it more like you're contracted with like general dentists or you work with schools? Like, tell us about the landscape of what it's like. So this is actually a really interesting topic because, um, 
I'm going to talk a little bit about like the history of the specialty because like I'm like I learned about it myself, you know, being in it. It used to be that, you know, the originators of the oral pathology specialty, um, they wanted to really isolate and, and subspecialize dentistry. So they believe like, you know, if you're an oral surgeon, you only do surgeries. If you're a general dentist, you stick to your general uh, procedures and you don't, you have a kind of a, a more narrow scope. And it used to be in order to be board eligible, um, to even take the board exam for oral pathology, you used to have to practice clinically as an oral pathologist for five years. So that means like you would have to get a job, you would graduate residency and you would practice for five years as an oral pathologist and only then you could take boards so it was really tough like that's something um like my program director was telling me about and, like I couldn't believe it because now like we finish residency take boards get board certified um so it like and it used to be kind of frowned upon to practice anything outside of your scope so like if you would do anything procedure based like you know more extensive biopsies kind of, I I'm that that would be kind of considered beyond the scope. But now the rules aren't so strict. It depends what state you're practicing in as well. So like in New York, for example, you know, we are oral and maxillofacial pathologists, but what uh, what do you describe as like, where does the oral cavity start and end and maxillofacial, you know, the thyroid, the, the, the neck, like you, there's certain things. And like, that's one of the good things about a hospital-based oral pathology residency program. You get exposure to like ENT pathology and, and derm pathology, because it's a lot more integrated. You could get a basal cell carcinoma on your lip, you know, you could get a squamous cell carcinoma on your lip. You could get all types of other things things that are completely benign. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I don't have to give you the rundown and traumatize any of our listeners because <laughs> it's really not that bad. I know some people are really traumatized from these courses because it is hard. Like it's truly a hard skill to acquire and it is different than, you know, kind of doing more clinical procedures and being more repetitive. Every biopsy is different. And like now it's going in a direction where there are more people opening up private practice oral pathology. Now it's much more diverse. There's much more opportunity. Um, and that's kind of what I'm interested in, like this new age of integration. Like, you know, why are we practicing dentistry as if the oral cavity is isolated? What are some of like the more memorable or like, interesting, crazy cases that you've seen so far with oral path? Um, there's definitely, that's, that's a thing that really drew me in, right? Like the shock factor, like you see those pictures, you're like, whoa, what is that? Right. And I, like, as a general dentist, like you, like, you know, you could get really scared. Like you, you know, you don't know what to really tell the patient. You don't know where to go and proceed. For me, the most memorable cases are the like really young patients, you know, um, more like aggressive uh, cases, like maybe lymphomas, things like that, without giving too much away. Um, mm -hmm. but that always gets me, you know, like when I see a case or of a patient who's like in their 20s and diagnosed with a really aggressive, like, let's say sarcoma or it, it, it really makes me appreciate life. Like I truly... I have to remind myself that I'm in a city that I see these very rare cases because it starts to kind of like freak you out a little bit, you know, like, you know, so much. And like, I'm sure everybody gets to a point in their education where they're like, oh my God, no, like, do I have this? Do I have this? Like, do I, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm thousand percent. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about the weight of like what you deal with, with oral path, there's like a lot of heavy stuff. Like you were saying, like heavy cases, two questions with that one. What are your best 
like, do you have any advice for kind of delivering that hard news? Because I'm sure it, it never really gets easier, but you probably become better at having those difficult conversations. So you have to break to someone that they have an aggressive form of cancer. Like walk us through like how you've learned to approach these situations. It's just thinking about, you know, every day I walk into the hospital and I'm like, and, and even when I walk out of work, like I try to just like appreciate like my own life. And like, I try to think like every encounter, like I have with any patient, like for me, it's just a part of like my day and like my job and my training, but for them, it might be like the best or worst moments of their life. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's going to be very memorable for them. First, I always say like, it's best when you have a diagnosis because the worst thing is when nobody knows what you have because you're you feel as a patient helpless and hopeless you can't get answers you can't get treatment but if you have a diagnosis you can get treatment and that's really important like the being proactive going to you know get these biopsies like a lot of the time like you know you have to get pre-authorization for a biopsy the patient's insurance may not cover it by the time the patients get to us there's a, a lapse of you know of a, it could be a very important phase where that patient could have been treated and that's why like I really love like this field and like what I do because I feel like you can intervene at a moment where it's truly critical and that can change that person's uh, prognosis for their treatment and their life you ultimately do get desensitized but try to use it in a positive way and like you know, comfort the patient. Also, I have like my own experiences, you know, like my mom is a breast cancer survivor. My grandma is a breast cancer survivor. My grandpa passed away from pancreatic cancer. I've literally been around cancer my whole life. Like it's my job to learn it and look at it and identify it. And it's just like, I truly believe that like one day we'll find the treatments we need. And like, I, I have a very hopeful outlook on it. Like I have to be positive and like, because otherwise you know, what are we like, what's the other option? Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I have a question. This yeah. is an honest question. Have you ever felt, I guess, more so like in the very beginning of training, but I look at oral pathologists as like geniuses. You guys are like walking, talking encyclopedias yeah, of knowledge next, next all up in here. And I'm like, man, did you ever feel this sort of pressure that you have to, because like we refer to you guys when we don't know what's going on, right? You guys are the end it, like mm -hmm. you're the, the ones that are supposed though. to know what's yeah, going yeah. on. So like, what's it like managing that pressure of being like, oh, I have to be the one to know this. Like, do you, does it ever get to you or, or is it not really a thought because it's so busy trying to just figure it out? <laughs> it's, a really, really good question. And it definitely like, like that moment when I realized that, you know, whatever you do in general dentistry for like more or less, like you can fix those mistakes. But like, if we make a mistake, like sometimes those are not fixable. And like that really, like really dawned on me. And I, it made me realize like the severity of like what I'm doing and how important it is and like gave me a new perspective. But I also see it's very stressful. And part of it, part of the stress comes from, you know, like every surgeon operates differently. It's actually very interesting. Like surgeons have the uh, autonomy to send to any pathologist they want. You have to learn how to work with the surgeon and, uh, you know, what, like, what is he looking to get out of the diagnosis and how is he going to manage and treat this patient and like you're building a relationship with the surgeon 
but also ultimately you're describing like what you see under the microscope and like you said there's this time sensitive manner like patients are freaking out you know and they want to know what they have and they're calling the surgeon every day the surgeon is calling the pathologist and sometimes like when the diagnoses are not so straightforward we have to order special like immunohistochemical stains we have to get another biopsy in a different area we need that biopsy to be in a different solution like there's so many complexities to this so there is that pressure of like when they call like they expect you to have the answer i love hearing you know you describe the process with the surgeon because i feel like this episode is really going to open up a lot of people's eyes about what it is and like what the workflow is like two questions one what do you think are qualities that make a really good standout oral pathologist and two what is like the dream career goal for dr jasmine Ludi? like i want to know what your career goals are like you have to really be like, you have to have a vision for it and you have to love it and know what you want to do with it. I truly believe that because it's another skill. And that that's, that's the thing about me personally, pathology is like going to be a skill in my toolbox of skills. So it's not going to be my only skill. And I'm very like adamant that like I'm young and I'm like building up my, my skill set now. And I know that I always want to be involved in like academia and research and even hospital-based work. And like, I truly love pathology, but you know, there's another aspect of it that's, that I love, which is the clinical. And I think what makes a good oral pathologist is somebody who, who never stops learning, you know, because things are always changing. Things are coming out that we're renaming things. Like it's, it's truly like an evolving field and you know somebody has to like do this work so I think the oral pathology community is very like close because of that you know everybody who's in it uh because it's so small they try to really contribute a lot to the field and for me personally like I know I want to practice clinically as well and I have an interest in uh like pediatric oral pathology that's what I did research in and um because my uh, acceptance process is a little bit different from the match because it was pass that kind of you know I had some time in d4 to think like what do I really want to do after my oral pathology and what kind of avenues are available to me and what can I do with this skill set and I think for me ideally I would do another two years of residency for peds and um, I would get kind of like that surgical clinical training in like pediatrics and you know because I know now all the pathology so now I can apply that and there's a lot of kids like with special needs uh, managing them with syndromes and like they have like vascular anomalies things like that oh my gosh that is like so inspirational I had no idea granted I think I like really just didn't really know the scope of path in general I didn't realize like you could kind of combine the specialties like that and do more after I mean it totally makes sense wait can I also just say everyone this girl is such a boss so you listen to what she did during like COVID times when we were when like times in clinic were restricted and we couldn't really use our hand skills. This girl invested in herself and you got one of those like mounted mannequin hand piece situations, right? So you could like practice yeah. at home. I was like, I was so, like, I was like, oh my god, this girl is so cool because I always say that I'm always like, man, I wish that I had this at home so I could practice it more. Like you are just such an icon for that. No, it's literally like such a like you get it because like you're a cancer. It's like such 
she can't survive like you set up at home you have like your your candle you have like your beverage you're chilling like it's it's the best thing ever also for me I was shook because I was like oh my god they close these dental offices like I need a practice for myself and like what am I gonna do I literally called up the company and I was like hey Hey, I'm from NYU. Can you give me the student discount? And they were and like, they oh, did. we're running low on supply. Let me see if I could ship one out to you soon. And I was like, okay. And they even sent me like the Amazon link to the compressor. And like, I had the compressor, everything, the whole setup. I feel like it's so inspirational to me personally, when I see students kind of like go against the grain and do something that's not the norm, because yeah. I don't know if you felt this way, but I feel like, especially in professional school, in pharmacy school, but especially dental school, sometimes it almost feels like you're in this bubble where everyone's like looking at what everyone's doing, everyone's comparing, and it's almost like you don't want to stick out because you're like, oh, I don't want people to like judge me for what whatever I'm doing. I'm doing. Exactly. I don't really understand like why or where it's coming from, but in dental school, there's just this kind of like ego almost, I think. And so I find it really refreshing and inspirational that you were just like, no, I need more experience. I'm just going to get myself the whole ass unit and just practice. I'm just not that girl. Like I'm, I'm just like, a honestly, <laughs> I'm telling you, I just, that was something that I really struggled with in dental school. I felt like everybody for, especially in the beginning, wasn't being real. And like for somebody who, you know, I was like struggling, like I was commuting every day. Like I needed I needed support like at the time, you know, and I, luckily I was able to find that I was able to find a good friend group. I was able to get into therapy and I was able to like take care of myself. Actually, I started doing so much better when I started studying less and like taking care of myself more. But that was a hard lesson I had to learn that like, hey, you're not gaining anything by sitting 13 hours a day. You feel depressed because you're not taking care of yourself. And like there's things you could actually do to like help yourself. And, you know, part of that was kind of letting go of this like toxic uh like culture and like ideal of like everything is perfect you're supposed to be perfect and like you're not supposed to struggle at all and you know I went to a really big school and you can kind of get lost in the mix like if you're not asking for help and if you're not advocating for yourself and I was like no like I made a conscious decision that I'm gonna do what I want to do and I'm not gonna apologize because uh life is short and it's too short to be unhappy and to not try like I would try anything and everything like when I needed that help and like I would ask anybody and like what's the worst that can happen like they'll say no and that's one thing I will say which is like I'm so happy I went to NYU and like I'm so happy I went to a good school because it really like brought me out like it brought out such good qualities of me and like Mm -hmm. I was able to invest in myself in a way like I used so many resources like I was like on the peer Uh, review board and like I went to these like leadership conferences just like amazing experiences that like really develop your character and like you know give you kind of that support you need like that self-confidence speaking of like you know who you are and your identity and all of that that's kind of where I really want to hear from you about motherhood because I feel like that's like the ultimate like game shift of like your sense of self so kind of walk us through what your thoughts and feelings were when uh d3 may when you found out you were pregnant like what was it like going through pregnancy in dental school really interestingly i was never gonna get pregnant in dental school i didn't even want to get married in dental school the plan really? was yeah i got engaged the summer before dental school um because my husband and i were like at the time we were living together and i was like 
like I don't have time like I need like to know that like emotionally and like physically we're just in this 100% because like I'm just a person I need like reassurance in my relationship and like at the time that's what you know I needed and like I felt that we were together long enough and you know he also like reciprocated those feelings and you know we got engaged and there was no pressure kind of to get married from my end or like I never I never wanted to I was ready to be engaged for four years five years you know uh I, I was just happy to like be engaged and to like live and enjoy our life. So when I started dental school, like time just like was going and I, and I was just, we kind of looked at each other like after D1 and I was like, you know, he's like, what are we waiting for? I'm like, I don't know. What are we waiting for? You know? <laughs> and then we were like, I knew I didn't want a big wedding because like, I didn't want it financially and I didn't want it physically. Um, I was like, that money is like, I'd rather spend it on, on something else. And, you know, it's the idea, like, I want to be married. I don't want uh, the wedding so I want the union like just start your life together <laughs> exactly and exactly and you know it was kind of just the next logical step for us we got married and like it was really nice we did like an elopement at Yosemite and like just like a real like testament to like our relationship like you know climbing mountains together <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that yeah and and then kind of like when COVID like it was it was before kind of COVID when I got pregnant but still like in during it and I was just like you know like we were home I mean he was still working because he was working as a nurse at the time now he's working as a nurse practitioner but you know it was just like scary and like it would put things into perspective and like life is short and like our parents aren't getting any younger and we know that we want you know a big family and we want them to be around and like that was always like really important for me I always had my grandparents growing up and like I'm really close with my grandma and when my grandpa was alive I was really close with him so you know it, it like we we decided like okay we're gonna try and like my doctor told me like don't be surprised if it doesn't happen for you right away and like because I had some like hormonal imbalances and things like that and also the stress of dental school you know I wasn't expecting anything um and then I got pregnant and then we were just like all right let's do this <laughs> <laughs> you're and like then, so what now <laughs> I couldn't believe it honestly like it didn't feel real also I had um I had a false uh negative or it was just too early like the hormone the HCG wasn't high enough and it didn't detect it on the at-home test I was really sick like throwing up a bunch of times a day and I couldn't keep anything down I thought I was like like terminally ill I I the, the test I took that was positive I told like Mitchell I was like if this is negative we're going to the hospital right away <laughs> And it was positive. And then I didn't believe it. I had to take another one. And then after like I stopped being nauseous, I went into this like hyperactive mode. I don't know what it was. Like really? I had so much energy. Yeah. And um that's when I started like selling my sourdough and like <laughs> Wait, I, that's like so funny. Yeah. Because I, that is like so telling. Like, a, yeah. I was coming to dental school with like seven loaves of bread. Like it was <laughs> like well like six months pregnant it was a little intense this is actually like so funny because it reminds me of like that covid time where we're like making sourdough was like yeah. a thing and i'm like oh my god this girl literally started like a sourdough business from the energy from all of this like mom hormone stuff i was really into like i don't know the like mom vibes were like coming in very early with that and eventually i stopped when like the patient care started picking up and i was like really pregnant and i had my rotations and i was like all right i'm just tired you know know made sure I was on top of my requirements because 
I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize my graduation. And ultimately, like, when I look back and when my daughter looks back, I want her to know, you know, you can do these things. And I want to live in a world where, you know, these things are possible. Mm. Not to say that doesn't come with challenges, you know? Right. I want to know how or if you have any advice for time management, because, you know, I have a couple of people in my clinic that are new parents as well. And like you would think being a new parent, I mean, you have so many challenges coming at you, but they're like you, they're like so on top of it because it's kind of like you have no choice but to be on top of it. So like what were let me know, like, how did you structure your day to help you be more efficient or like what did you do? to just you know like make it all work honestly for all my dental students that are currently in dental school and are listening you have to go short-term goals one day at a time if you look in the long term you get very overwhelmed like you know there and when you look and when you look back you've accomplished so much even in six months of dental school three months so you really have to take everything with like a grain of salt and short-term goals what do I want to accomplish today what's realistic for me like you have to really be realistic with yourself like if you are practicing let's say preps for a practical if you want to go and practice until you get it perfect that's not realistic but going and giving your best effort on one or two preps and giving yourself a frame of time one to two hours that's more effective it took me a long time to learn that lesson too I was that girl in sim lab from 6 a.m because I'm like I have to it's it's all about the more time but no it's really intentional practice I would I would block off my time and let's say instead of doing like 12 hour days I just did like double that time like I would study for two or three weeks for you know three or four hours a day what's realistic for me you know, mm-hmm. time blocking and also incorporating the things that I want, uh, spending time with my family, moving my body. Like, again, it took me a long time to like learn these things, even sleeping. Like my sleep is the best that it's ever been. I use, I got this ring for my birthday, the aura ring. Oh, the aura. Yeah. yeah. I want to try that. Boys, yes. And I always DM her. I'm like, I love this. It really like, it, be, it made me be aware of like my sleeping habits and um, I have a really good friend from dental school shout out Jessica when you hear this and she told me like in D1 she's like you cannot like this is not sustainable for you I was truly sleeping five hours a night and I thought that was normal like I thought it was okay like isn't this what everybody's doing you know my right. classmates are in the library all night everybody's there's always somebody working harder than you there's always somebody smarter than you there's always somebody who's gonna have better preps than you but the question is like are you a good person? Like, are, you know, are you doing your best? And like, are you being intentional with your time? And I feel like if it's yes to all those things, everything is going to work out. Having Mm -hmm. faith is hard too, you know, because it seems like never ending kind of, I remember that feeling. Like, I remember that feeling from what, like you have, like right now it's the end of January to May to graduation. I was like, oh my God, this is the longest three months of my life. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I feel like society wants us to put wants to put us into these buckets of like oh she's a career woman or like oh she's a mom and it's kind of frustrating because it's like okay the same person can be like a career driven ambitious woman and a mom did you feel at all like almost like frustration with having to like sort out this whole new identity when all of a sudden you can't practice as much as you want or you can't work as much as you want because you have like so many more responsibilities and things like that what was it like navigating your identity changing and becoming a mother and balancing that with like the career jasmine that you once knew 
Right. So a lot of it, there definitely was a time where I was like, I don't want to feel like I'm sacrificing, but ultimately everything in life is a sacrifice, I believe, and a negotiation. And, you know, I didn't want to feel, I, I definitely went through a phase where I'm like, am I giving up a part of my career? Or like, am I, you know, also with oral pathology, because people really don't understand what I'm doing. And like, the vibes are very much like, why are you doing that? Or like, somebody has to do it or, um, you know, oh, you don't actually like want to see patients. I get it. Like you don't really want to work. And that, that that's not my reality at all. Maybe for some people, you know, everybody has different experiences, but um, I'm here to like break the stigma. Um, yeah, I love and, that. Yeah. And like when I became a mom, I'm like, oh my God, is it always going to be like choosing? Like I, why do I feel like, and I genuinely enjoy spending time with my kid. Like I had a child because I completely 100% wanted to like I have the mentality that like uh, my kid doesn't owe me anything I owe everything to my kid um, you know maybe that's how from like culturally how I was raised or um, I really believe like family makes you like better and I felt ready to be a mom but I don't know if I necessarily felt ready for like the social pressures that came with it because I kind of get into this category of like working mom and it's like yeah but I also juggle all the things I have to do at home and like even when I am with my daughter like it is important for me that she she knows that every day mommy goes to work and mommy comes home at night and like I always love that because like that's the world like that I want her to live in that like you know uh, your mom can do whatever she wants. And like, you, you know, I could be a doctor and I can do this residency program and I can still come home and be like mommy. And like, we could spend time as a family. And like, it's really important to me for her to see me in all those different roles. And I think that outweighs any of the pressures, but I think if I could like plot it on a graph as uh -huh. time on, I became less like affected by those pressures because again, like it's a conscious decision I made even for my family. Like, you know, that everybody's going to judge and everybody has an opinion, especially when you become a mom or like, even when you're pregnant, that people feel entitled to say something to you. Like it's, it's, it's kind of like crazy. And I don't weird. understand why or where it comes from. Also, like if the roles were reversed and men like carried babies, that kind of judgment would not happen. Never. And also Loki, like it's kind of embarrassing. Like people come up to you and like touch your belly. And like, when is it appropriate to have like that type of invasion of like your personal space? And like, what if you're not cool with that? You know, it's like everybody's different. <laughs> I always it's so wild. And depending on what culture you're in, also, like those traditions, like they try to kind of push it on you or they try to help. They, they it is coming from a good place because that's what worked for centuries and generations. But ultimately, you have to acknowledge that we don't live like that anymore. And, you know, uh, the first time my grandma saw like breast pump, she goes, Well, she was like, <laughs> Like, what is that you know like that's um, so funny oh but God. you know these are things like that evolve and like I think even expectations of dads like nobody even talks about that like yeah when I left my daughter at home like my husband took his leave after my leave so I took a few weeks off from school and I was home with my daughter and then I went back to school and he took his leave starting when I went back because I felt more uh, comfortable that he was there. Like we also had like childcare help sometimes, but, you know, I wanted, even though it would have been nice to have that time together, like that's again, one of the sacrifices we made mm -hmm. uh, in order to have, you know, to, for her to be home with one of us for longer without leaving her with a nanny um 
you know, while I was in school and he was at work. Right. So people were like, oh my God, like my family members were like, are you sure he can handle it? Like, is he going to be okay? And I'm like, first of all, like he's a nurse, he's a medical professional, like right. <laughs> he can do a lot. He's very capable. And like, I will not be like, um, perpetuating this weaponized incompetence like he is completely capable and he wants to do it and like I'm not gonna you know deter him from that because I feel like you have to everybody needs an opportunity to parent in their way we right. have a philosophy of parenting but you know I don't parent identical to the way he does and I think every, he deserves to have that freedom to build that relationship with our daughter you know kind of like what I have with my dad has becoming a mother kind of changed the way that you look at your mother and like that relationship do you like see things differently now and have like a new appreciation for sure I definitely look at women like I truly look at women in a new light and like I truly have so much respect for like the physical and emotional like um like just you know men they're they're not capable of doing what women are doing and like I think you know, we had a lot of conversations about that too. Like your body goes through all the changes. And I think also the pressures, like my mom always worked and uh, being a working mom kind of, uh, you know, we, she wasn't home, like, let's say as often because she's always working and like trying to develop and like give us the opportunities that like we didn't have, you know, very, mm -hmm. um, the immigrant story but at the end of the day like I definitely have a new appreciation for her but I also see things how she did and I know you know what kind of things I want to uh incorporate like into our traditions and what kind of things I kind of want to leave out one thing I have heard people say is like motherhood can be really isolating actually even though on the outside it's like oh people are always sending you gifts and wishing you well but the truth is I, like when I hear my, my sister at least talk about like the journey it does sound isolating so what do you think our ways that like your friends and your family can like support you in like the best way possible it's actually interesting like I think it's really like analogous to let's say like starting dental school and like you know everyone's struggling but nobody wants to talk about it it's kind mm. of looked down upon that's kind of what it is you know you don't want to be the mom to be like hey like actually like I need help you know and like right. there's this mentality that you're born knowing how to be a mother and sure I definitely think that there's some intuition but it doesn't come like that for every woman and we need to kind of take that pressure off a mom to be like you know just because you're growing a baby physically in your body not everybody has the same emotional or physical connection and attachment with their kid and it's really hard to actually build a healthy attachment especially when you have to go work for you know after a few weeks and like even me I definitely felt like you know people were like looking down on me like when I made the decision to stop breastfeeding it was really yeah. hard like somebody told me like you should just take like a week one year off and leave school so that you could focus on like giving your kid like the best nutrition there is and like people even told me like you're like you know you're doing you're making a poor decision for your kid by not continuing to breastfeed even though you know I couldn't I couldn't sustain it because I, I didn't really have breaks or like it I was, you know, in school and I wasn't as disciplined as I should be because I made the decision to prioritize sleep over waking up and pumping. Um, you know, that that's a hard decision. And like people don't really take into account your personal, like people can, you know, send gifts and like offer advice and things, but it even when you have a support system, it's still isolating. And I think that's what 
is really important to talk about it. And like what your sister is kind of saying that like, you never feel like 100% comfortable to share your struggles. You never want to be judged. You know, you never want to be the mom that's like struggling. How do you handle the the mom guilt? I guess like, does it ever go away? I don't want to say like, it, it doesn't like loom over me like a black cloud. But again, it's like having a strong sense of self and knowing like, mm. I am making the right decisions. And I am I'm doing my best like really you know our parents that's the main thing I learned like you asked me what did you realize about your mom like I realized like our parents grow up with us Mm. like I'm you know what I mean like you know how we always joke around and I'm like I'm literally a teen mom like me I'm a I'm a teen mom at 26 years old I'm 100% I'm curious were you always this self-assured like what was little Jasmine like like how did you become so self-assured or so self-aware honestly I want to say that dental school really helped me like again bring out those qualities and like it forced me like because I thought you know you have to be the hardest worker in the room like Mm. you really have to outwork everybody because that's how my that's how my dad is like his work ethic is very much like if his store opens at 12 he's at work at six like Mm. he's there like you know you have to if you really want something to work you have to put your 150% into it and like I'm definitely you know I I was definitely of that mentality always and like I I know that whatever I do I'm gonna work hard and like I don't know I truly believe like it's like manifesting and like being positive and I just know that like everything's always gonna work out for me like and that Mm. it's it's gonna be great and you know any any failure is just like an opportunity to pivot into a different direction how do you think you've changed personally since having a child like what qualities about yourself have changed i think i became there they're definitely like it comes it comes in waves right like i'm not always like i don't wake up and i'm like damn like i feel like a million bucks like (laughs) not like that like i know a lot of people come off like it comes off like i have it like very put together which is like because i really do try and like i i pride myself on that but one thing with motherhood is like it's okay to like not have it all figured out and it's okay you know to be figuring things out like everything is really just a work in progress because i used to really put the pressure on myself to like achieve and perform at a very high level and like that kind of uh standard of perfection it's it doesn't serve anybody you know the best dentist is not the perfect dentist it's the one who is like doing it for the right reasons and looking out for the patient in an ethical way using all their training and their skills to the best of their ability you can be still figuring things out as a young dentist young mom wife whatever you know and you can be patient with yourself that's what I learned I learned patience with myself and I learned patience with my daughter Right. It sounds like you're like better at giving yourself that grace now because you've seen like how crazy the whole spectrum of like life can really be now. Yeah, it definitely puts things into perspective, you know, and like you have a little human. So like now everything I do is like, how would I want her to react? What do you think is something that because I know you mentioned you like read all these books and articles. What's an aspect of parenting that books and articles could not have prepared you for? Mm, It's a really good question. Um. I think like we talked about like the social pressures of it and like specifically like you know the fact that everybody feels entitled like it's I was truly shocked like Mm. people were just like I would even like my patients in dental school they're like oh you're like you're too young to have a child and be here like you can't possibly be like you know or like just like certain comments you know and people they don't think anything of it maybe they don't they don't mean it or like they they're they just say it in passing but 
you know as like a woman you kind of like start to internalize these things and like one thing for me is I really don't want to like be resentful or bitter or anything like that another thing is that like when my daughter started to like express herself I was like oh my god that's so cute (laughs) yeah it's cute but then like they have so many feelings and they have so many emotions and they can't always express themselves and like it's hard and to watch like a child who's frustrated try to express themselves and like as as a the hardest thing for me is as a parent you want your child to learn and succeed with your help but on really on their own for me I really want my daughter to like try things and like and succeed on her own but I also I it's hard for me to watch her struggle Mm. so it's like that when I'm like watching her do something like even something simple like stacking blocks and I see like she can't stack the top one and like she's kind of getting frustrated I have to like take it takes every fiber of my (laughs) being not to like jump in there and be like oh this is how you do it like until she asks for help I'm not gonna intervene like I mm-hmm. she has to struggle and like I maybe it's like a metaphor or like you know for the future but I think that's that's a hard thing like you don't want your kid to struggle but you want them to do their best and you want them to succeed but they they have to struggle in order to succeed last question I don't want to tie up too much of your of your night now that you know your daughter's I'm so much fun though. I know no I know no I know me too I'm having so much fun this is such a good combo and it's so insightful it's so great to hear so personally I always struggle with like finding gifts for moms because I I feel like when you type gifts for moms, it's like, oh, this spa basket. I'm like, no one's going to use this spa basket. They don't have time for the spa basket. What's like gifts that you really appreciated getting or would appreciate getting when you have like a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old? So are you asking like gifts for mom or gifts for baby? Gifts for uh, gifts for both, actually, because I'm kind of always like, I don't know what they need because like I don't have a kid yet, so I don't really right, know. Right. And it's hard because like they're always at different stages and like development at different ages. So I guess let's start with mom. Um, gifts for mom. I always think it's it's a hard one, but if you can get her out of the house or like really? beginning, it might be hard. It might be hard, but like you gotta like I, I really think like my good friends, like they were pushing me and like sometimes it was like they were pushing me a little too hard and I was like, <laughs> I'm not ready for all that. Like my best friend lives in Florida and she was like, You got come to Miami for two days. And I was just like, I couldn't physically, I booked the ticket and I canceled. Like I just oh. couldn't physically, I wasn't mentally there yet. Like I couldn't leave my child like I would leave to school every day but I would come home and I would like feel so much better you know I needed that reassurance um but I think when I did kind of make that move and like even to go for like a spa day with my friends or like a dinner and like just you get into this like mundane routine and every day it's like groundhog day it's the same oh yeah the kids are on a schedule they have a nap they have to sleep eat you're like doing the same thing every day it gets very repetitive so if you could do something to kind of break that routine I think that's really good and healthy um to get mom like a little bit out of her comfort zone for like the long run if you can get somebody to watch the baby and like I think a nice Mm. relaxing spa day with the girls is really nice um that's actually something that my sister said that I like witnessed as I've been as I spend more time with them and their kids is she's like sometimes you get to a point like I said she's a one-year-old and a three-year-old she's like some days like 
it's just like I wake up, I do the same thing because the kids need routine, right? She's like, yeah. I wake up, I do the same thing, I go to work. Then it's all about coming home, getting the kids bathed, getting them fed, getting them to go to bed. Then it's yeah. like, she's like, every day I blink my eyes and it feels like my life is passing before me. And some days yeah. it's kind of like, what's the point of all this? It's just Groundhog Day living over. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? I guess, like you said, right? Like getting out you gotta of the house. break it off. Yeah, like even I went to like a conference and we made like a whole weekend trip out of it. And it was like our first like weekend away as a couple. And and I was like, it was so refreshing. Like we almost like we made a use of every minute. Like we planned oh. like around the conference, like around the meetings and like we drove up and we went to all the restaurants we wanted to go to. We went to like the cheesy, like tourist attractions and like, it just felt good to like be a couple again and not be mom and dad, like to break out of that routine. Yeah. And also to remember like there is life and, and also to, you know, to, to like venture out and also take the kids. Like the, I would do a lot of things like when she was like eight months old, I took her, uh, I took her to Florida. It's a two hour mm-hmm. flight, like just, you know, or like a two hour car ride, like get out of the house with them, you know, things like that. But it is hard, you know, especially when you're working, you're like always in a rush and like, you just like, it's hard to stop the time and appreciate. And always, I, I tell everybody like, take your vacation days. Like guys, if you're in residency and you're listening to this, take your paid time off like nobody will come to your like job interview and be like they took four days off out of the six like uh, I actually saw a really cool gift like from mom baby whatever uh it's called like meal train people do it I don't know if you've heard of it it's like a website and you could literally sign up on like a calendar and you get like 10 or 15 people or however many and you sign up to like order meals like breakfast lunch and dinner or you cook the meals and like they you bring it to like the mom so like that's something she doesn't have to think about right that's so sweet it's like kind of a way to organize your like your network your friends and your family and they all take turns like helping exactly. you out. instead of everybody coming with trays to your house right <laughs> it's like on on it's like on a website I thought that was genius I saw that and I was like next kid like totally yeah. do a meal train or like for some for anybody as a gift I think that's a super thoughtful gift so where can everyone find you if they have any like questions like list your uh, your email if you want them to contact you through that or your Instagram sure my email is Dr. Ludi DDS um, I can definitely put the link for that and also you can find me on Instagram at Jasmine Ludi anytime I'm trying to be more active on TikTok I'm trying to post like um, like oral pathology stuff like interesting yes. pathologies and just like bring more awareness and like help the general public and uh, just talk about all the weird stuff that can happen in the oral cavity and kind of tell you guys you know why it's cool and what you can do and just educate the public so my tiktok is at jasmine ludi and hopefully you know we keep this thing rolling and you guys can always hit me up ask me any questions you want and i love to help and oh also i'm doing a mentorship program for any young women in stem i'll drop the link for that too i think the site is womeninbio.org um so i'm doing like a lecture series and i also do one-on-one mentoring and counseling through that um so any young females who are interested in medicine science dentistry anything um, I love to support and help. So, yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's gonna be such a good opportunity for anyone that wants to do that. That's such a cool program. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time. Your time honestly means so much knowing like how limited it is and like how much you do. It's honestly just like an honor to, to be able to speak with you. So thank you for your time. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. That is that for this week's episode. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.